Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Zopp, 1,000 Halos. Ground ball to second base, Red Heeple. Ball's down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brandon Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. And you're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. This episode, I am joined with Mike Brown. How are you doing, Mike? Hey, Daniel. I'm good. Thanks for having me. And special guest today, Rhett Bollinger, of course, from MLB.com, Angels Beat Writer. Rhett, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. So, obviously, uh, Angels just finished their first series of the second half. We're going to have Rhett on to kind of talk about a little bit about what's happened in the first half, and then obviously kind of look ahead a little bit to the first half. Um, a question I know Mike wanted to ask, and it kind of fits into the Friday game against Seattle, and that's when, obviously, um, uh, Andrew Heaney was on the mound, but we also saw Bundy and Quintana take the mound during that game. And, and Mike, go ahead and ask me that question if you uh, you sent me. Yeah, so we were talking kind of before we were going to have you on. We were wondering, what are the odds that you think uh, Bundy or Quintana get DFA'd uh, kind of before the season's end? I think that's probably kind of a harsh route that the Angels would have to go to to go to that length. But what 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 percentage chance would you give that? It's a good question. I mean, I think there's definitely a chance for both of them. You know, right now, it's such a struggle for both. I mean, Bundy, the home runs have been an issue. He came in in that game and gave up a home run on a 2-0 pitch, kind of got him out of that game. Um, and it really hasn't been that much better in relief than he was as a starter. I remember they made that change in New York uh, after his, you know, his last start was pretty memorable <laughs> and uh, puking behind the mound like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the money's obviously always going to be a thing with both of them. I mean, Quintana, too, signed an $8 million deal. Um, Quintana has a better strikeout rate, at least this year, but his mm-hmm. walk rate, too, is really, really high. Same thing gave that big home run to Hanniger in Seattle. Uh, so I would say it's maybe 50, 50, cause they also have to have guys that are going to be, you know, good enough to replace them as, as bad as that sounds. I mean, right now the bullpen has been a struggle and, uh, I'm curious to see if there's other guys they think, you know, obviously we've seen Andrew Wants or Wants come up, uh, from triple a guy didn't know too much about really even, uh, but had good numbers there. And, um, you know, at some point we can see Chris Rodriguez back up here, but also he could be a starter. Um, you know, we haven't seen Felix Payne, which is interesting to me, but, um, it has to be guys to replace them, but. You know, I think they're hoping these guys could be trade bait. If, you know, worst case, they fell out of it. And now I can't imagine any team would trade for either one of them. Um, and they're both going to be free agents, too. So um, it's worth monitoring. But as of right now, I think they're both safe in the short term. But a couple more bad outings, and you never know. 
you know, we we obviously a lot of us were surprised by the Albert gained DFA. And when you brought up money, I'm kind of thinking to myself, well, if they DFA Albert, you know, six million dollars doesn't seem like a lot compared to that. Um, but you know, do you think that kind of made up their mind though? Like we're not gonna hold on the guys for money because of the Albert release. Maybe, but also that you know, Albert's played pretty well in the you know, the the time that he's played for the Dodgers, and next thing you know, they probably release Quintana and he goes somewhere and figures it out or same with Bundy. So maybe that's another thing too, is just keep these guys from other teams. But no, um, yeah, I, I, it's just kind of one of those things. It is hard to eat money, but at some point too, if they're just not helping the team, you got to swallow it and just do it. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I, I, that definitely does play into it. Um, and the pools thing, you know, that's why it was a big surprise to move on the way that they did. And it was the right move. I mean, obviously Walsh was an all-star. It didn't make yeah. sense to Walsh be the right fielder. So uh, making that move, you know, Worked out both teams, I think, and then we'll see what goes, you know, goes on with Bundy and Quintana. So after the game on Friday, the Angels were back at 500. Rhett, you know, obviously we know all the injuries: Trout, Rendon, Upton, you know, even Stassi for here and there. Were you surprised at all that the Angels were above 500 at the break, or did you kind of expect that? No, that was actually you know uh, pretty decent for them to be at that spot. You know, considering that Mike Trout had been out for so long, uh, and that's been a really tough injury to have him out since mid-May. Uh, you know, and right now I think it seems like he's probably trending more toward coming back in, in early August uh, than anytime really too soon because he's still on that rehab assignment. And Justin Upton, you know, has played really well. He's been out for a while. And then, like you talked about, Rendon three different times in the IL. Uh, you know, we talked about Bundy, Quintana, guys part of that rotation that haven't really lived up to expectations. For all that to happen and to still be above 500 uh, is a good thing. But also at the same time, uh, it's still not good enough in terms of postseason. You have to really turn it on in the second half. And hope that you know getting these guys healthy, whether it's Trout and Rendon, make sure the guys in the rotation you know get on track and stay on track, like Cobb and Sandoval, you know even Suarez now, and see how he does. Uh, you know, you know, Tani's got to stay healthy is obviously the the big hugest key you know for this team. Um, so it is you know impressive they're still in it, but losing four out of six to the Mariners didn't help here. And the big thing too, we you know, is the deadline comes up here on the 30th of July, and they've got to be in it you know to add pieces. And if they're not, you know, they could lose some guys, especially you know closer. Uh, Ryzel Iglesias, who probably bring back a pretty good return uh, without Wellies pitch. So a little bit of urgency right now. It doesn't help that it sounds like uh, Rendon and Trout are probably early August after the deadline. And, right. you know, even, you know, Upton, we'll see. So, Mike, I'm going to ask you this. Obviously, I think the first half had a bunch of surprises, at least I thought. So what were some? what was your biggest surprise uh, as an Angel fan uh, in that first half? I think, I mean, it's, to me, it's still a surprise just that Otani was this good and played this much. You know, I kept hearing in spring training from Joe and from everybody and from Perry that it was going to be, you know, he wasn't going to have any limitations and it was full go and all this. But I still thought he'd have days off before and after his starts or even the day of. I didn't think he'd play literally every single day. Um, and he has, and he's, you know, for good reason. He's been one of the most, you know, the best, one of the best pitchers and one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, so it makes sense. And he's, you know, he stayed healthy. I think people were worried after those first two games where he was one for 10 with, uh, you know, four strikeouts on Saturday. And then sure enough, you know, hit the home run and was two for three here on Sunday. <laughs> so a little better, a little bit of relief after that home run derby because he definitely looked tired after that. But also, you know, threw 100, or 100 miles per hour in that uh, all-star game. So that was a good sign that he's, he's healthy and strong. So to me, that was a huge surprise. And, you know, Rendon's struggles were a surprise to me too. I didn't expect that. Um, but yeah, I would say that just show his overall dominance uh, is a surprise to me, but Maybe it shouldn't have been because he does have that kind of talent. What about you, Mike? What was your biggest surprise in, in this first half of the season? 
Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, with Taylor Ward. You know, he's kind of really kind of kind of cemented him. Well, not really cemented himself, but he's kind of made himself be kind of a, a guy that you can go to as kind of that fourth outfielder at the very least. You know, he's got an OPS of 750, uh, which I think is above league average at this point. Um, and he's he, his glove plays. He plays really good outfield defense, whether he's in right or whether he gets shifted over to left or wherever he ends up. But, um, yeah, Taylor Ward was a guy that I was kind of skeptical on early on. I know when the Angels drafted him, a lot of people were surprised that he ended up going in the first round. I think a lot of people thought Taylor Ward was somebody that would go in, like, the second or third round back when the Angels drafted him. They also drafted him as a catcher. Um, so the fact that he's been able to kind of turn into a decent uh, outfield piece, um, fourth outfielder, especially at a time when, you know, obviously Fowler went down and Trout's out and Upton's out, to have Ward around. Um, obviously has been a, a plus. I've been very surprised with Ward. We'll see how much playing time he gets going forward now that Marsh is up and, and, and the Angels have completed that trade for Adam Eaton. But um, yeah, I still like how I, I, I still pleasantly surprised with, with Taylor Ward. So Rhett, you know, you talk about Adam Eaton, Angels pick him up. He got DFA'd, I believe, by the Chicago White Sox. Does this, what does this do for the Angels? Is it just another guy to have in case, or does it, the Angels actually looking for something out of Eaton during this time? I mean, it makes sense, at least in the short term. Um, he's still a pretty good defender in right field. And we know in recent weeks, I'm playing guys out of position, whether it's Rick Epo in right or, you know, uh, you know Phil Gosselin in left. We've seen, uh, you know, Suarez out there. Uh, sorry, Rojas, sorry. A lot of guys out there, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of been a, a mess in the outfield in terms of not having real outfielders. And at least Eaton gives them that. Um, and now coupled with Marsh, they actually have a little bit better defensive outfield. Um, obviously, Lagares is very good in center field too, but they can play Lagares, Marsh, and then Eaton and go with defense now, which they couldn't do for the you know, last couple of months. So that helps. Offensively, it's been a struggle for him the last two years, um, but strong track record. You know, it's pretty good left-handed bat in general throughout his career, but he might be just on the wrong side of 30 here and, and not have much left offensively. We'll see. Um, had the two hits in his first game. Um, but I, I think for them, it's more of a, a short-term thing. It made sense. He was a free agent after getting released. So it was easy to sign him for, you know, the league minimum. They could even, you know, move on from him if they want to when Upton and Trout return um, and stick with Marsh as one of their, you know, main guys too. So it was pretty low risk. And it also just made, especially defensively, it made sense right now. So obviously the Angels will win Saturday's game, nine to four, the one, the lone victory in the series this weekend. Fletcher went three for five with five RBIs. And obviously at, at this point, Saturday night, he was still going strong with his, his hit streak. What is the biggest thing, or has he said anything that kind of clicked for him? Because, and you tweeted out a number of times, Red, as far as where he was, you know, batting average wise to where he is now, was there something in his fundamentally or just in his head that clicked to put him on the streak? I think his mechanics got better, but also he started swinging at pitches like earlier in counts. Um, I think early in the year we saw him get into too many two strike counts and you know strike out more than we ever saw him before because he's not a guy that really strikes out. Um, and it was kind of being a little bit too passive, especially as a leadoff hitter, trying to see pitches for his team instead of being aggressive. And all of a sudden now the last month he's been really aggressive, swinging at strikes and you know pitchers trying to attack him. But no matter where they throw the ball, he can you know pretty much get a hit out of it anywhere. We've seen him you know pitches you know at his head or you know out of the zone. Um, his you know coverage is pretty amazing. So. Uh, and we've seen early games, so just kind of ambushing these pitchers, uh, getting those hits early. And, uh, you know, obviously his hit streak ended here on Sunday going over five. But second longest one in, you know, Angels history behind Garrett Anderson, uh, which is really impressive. And and you see him hitting the ball a lot harder, too. We've seen him hit the ball down the left field line, especially a lot harder. Some a couple home runs recently. 
I think early in the year it was, you know, most of the hits were just kind of little flares to right field and wasn't really, you know, hitting the ball as hard as he thought he could have. And, there's, and so sure enough, he's kind of figured it out now mechanically and he's driving the ball to both sides there because uh, Joe Madden always says he's kind of like a V hitter. He doesn't really hit the ball like in the in the middle of the field. He only hits the ball like on the right field line, the left field line. Um, and it works out pretty well for him. Uh, and right now I think he's starting to do that. And sure enough, he's been baseball's hottest hitter now for a month. So go ahead, Mike. Ask a question. I know you have one. Where 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 are we pivoting? Are we already pivoting? It, wherever you want. So uh, so given that Chris Rodriguez got sent down probably about, about a month ago, a month ago now, or a month and a half ago, um, and Reed Demers has really kind of established himself in Double A. I think yesterday he struck out four out of the first five hitters he faced. Who do you see coming up um, to the rotation first um, to the major league rotation? Detmers or Rodriguez? It's a good question. I mean, I guess it just depends on how they're pitching at the time. Um, I think Rodriguez maybe is more likely just because he's already on the 40 man and we've mm. seen him up here. Um, okay. Whereas Detmers would have to do it that way and add him on. Um, and there's still a chance for both of them. I mean, even now they're going to need a starter. I think it's on the 27th or 28th because uh, they're going to stick with a six man rotation. Um, and right now they're okay because they have the off day coming up on Wednesday. And then after that, they go five days and then they have to find somebody else for that next day. Um, so it could be Rodriguez if he's ready. Um, we know that Griffin Canning's on the injured list with a back strain at AAA, so it's not going to be him. Um, but Detmers could also make his debut later this year too. And the you know Angels are showing some aggression by bringing up you know uh, you know being aggressive bringing up Brandon Marsh. I think that was even a little bit of a surprise the way that it happened you know right now, especially after signing Eaton. You kind of figured that maybe even Joe Adele would be that guy too, especially over the last couple months. And Adele's still hitting the ball pretty well at AAA. It's obvious that they need him cut down on the strikeouts and. To, improve defensively um but at least they have another option there too so so yeah did they or joe or perry or anyone say why brandon over joe because i think a lot of people would have thought joe would have got the call up first just because of his obviously about his offensive numbers but just him having the time in the majors last year i think a lot of it had to do with just like yeah, defense um marsh is a better defender at this point can play center field um and i think also Mar- marsh just you know uh, doesn't strike out as much, and they're a little bit worried about Adele coming in and falling into a slump and you know striking out too much like he did last year or two. Um, so Adele's really close. Um, it is surprising in some ways, uh, but also I think you know they kind of want to see what they have in March first year. Uh, you know, Joe would love to keep him up here all year. Madden said, you know, but he's got to play his way up here and deserve it and see how he does. But uh, so yeah, it was a little surprising because considering he obviously missed a month with the shoulder injury, he's been like red hot since he came back at AAA and even before that in his rehab assignment at rookie ball, but. Um, yeah, so a little bit of a surprise, but I just think the defense kind of won out. Yeah. And, and talking to, talking to his family today, they said, um, him spending time in Arizona actually really benefited him because they kind of taught him how to take care of that shoulder. So now that he said he's the best he's felt since, you know, obviously before spring when it kind of aggravated it and hopefully that's a sign for him to, for it to prolong his time up here and not flare up with another shoulder injury. But, um, Brandon's up. You got, you know, these younger guys coming up, you know, or not coming up, but like actually starting like Sandoval. We saw him today. Not great, but he's had good outings. Um, and same thing with Suarez. Are the Angels kind of now leaning towards a let's see what we got type of mentality instead of hanging on to these, you know, older veterans? Yeah, I mean, but also trying to win though too, right? Because like these veteran guys, Bundy and Quintana weren't doing it very well. And they could have kept in the rotation like kind of the way that like the Orioles are doing with Matt Harvey and letting guys kind of get hit. At least they at least made a change. Um, and these guys deserved it though too, right? I mean, Sandoval was pitching pretty well in relief and he's, you know, obviously had a great run. 
Suarez has been really good in relief, same thing. So um, it made a lot of sense um, to me. And we'll kind of same thing. It is still kind of what see what they have, though. You're right, because Sandoval, I think, obviously, is a lock in the rotation for a while now. He's earned that. But like Suarez is still kind of case by case. Um, but at the same time, like I said, they don't really have a full rotation, with, even right now, with the way it's going, with only five out of the six. So they've got to kind of figure out what they want to do with that sixth spot. Um, and Jaime Maria, obviously, is a triple-A, too, and he's obviously on the 40-man. Uh, he could be an option, not exactly an you know, exciting one, but someone who at least can been there, done that. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're trying to find the best guys to fill in this rotation, and we'll see. I mean, there's still a chance if they're in it that they go and, you know, trade for a starter here at the deadline, but I still would be a little bit surprised they, they kind of are buyers. So right now, the Angels just finished a series with the Mariners. They're going up to Oakland for two, like you mentioned, day off Wednesday. Then they go to Minnesota, then come back to play Colorado, and then the A's again, and that's going to wrap up their month. Like you mentioned before, a lot of these guys aren't coming back until after the the trade deadline. Is this kind of like the worst-case scenario that they go like 500 during that time and don't really know if they're sellers or buyers and just kind of sit on their hands and don't do anything? Or do you think, regardless, they're going to lean one way or the other? Yeah, I mean, if they go 500, it probably sell because there's still kind of enough out of the race that it's going to be hard to make that up. Um, so unless they really go on a real tear, which they can, you know, I mean, obviously they have to play well against Oakland, which has been a struggle for them in the last couple of years. And, uh, but Minnesota, you know, they, they've been really struggling this year, um, in a four game series. So a chance there it is in Minnesota and, um, we'll kind of see how that goes, but yeah, I mean, they kind of have to go on a tear here to, to really become like, you know, full buyers. Uh, and yeah, I said, and I think that in terms of selling, I think a lot of the pieces that they had to sell just haven't really done that well this year, all the, all the pending free agents, whether, you know, it's. Ben Heaney, um, Quintana, you know, Bundy, uh, Suzuki, these kind of guys uh, aren't exactly guys that, you know, people are clamoring to trade for. I mean, they, if they wanted to, you know, I guess Cobb would be a candidate potentially because he's going to be a free agent, but he's pitched so well for them. I don't know if they'd really want to do that. Uh, but, it's, you know, you can't rule it out if they kind of really fall out. Here. And like I said, Rizal Iglesias is their, probably their biggest chip here. And maybe Jose Iglesias too. So they do have a lot of impending free agents. They got to kind of figure out their plan going forward. These guys are going to be a part of it. You know, these guys we could resign, or do we need to kind of just, you know, get what we can for them? Or, and, and also, yeah, how, what, what realistically is there a chance of actually making the playoffs? And that's going to be Perry's job here for the next, uh, you know, week plus. Go ahead, Mike. You got a question? Yeah. So the Angels drafted um, Sam Bachman uh, with the ninth overall pick in the first round. Um, you know, the Angels made some headlines with drafting 19 college pitchers out of the 20. Um, picks that they had also drafted or one prep arm, I think. So what, in, in terms of Bachman, um, what do you think the timeline is for him? Um, do you think he's someone we could see at the end of this year? Do you think he's more of a 2022 guy? Yeah, it'll be interesting. They've, they've talked about how he could be, you know, major league ready this year um, as a reliever, not so much as a starter. Um, mm -hmm. I think long-term the angels, or I know long-term the angels do view him as a starter. Um, but this year, if they want to get him on the fast track, they put him in relief. It, it just people say that a lot though about a lot of different. It's like every year there's a couple guys in the draft that <laughs> say that about. It never really happens. Every, every now and then it does, but it's pretty rare that it actually really happens. They get up right there in that first year. Um, right. So my, I, I would, if I had to put you know money on it, I'd probably say next year, and probably be a little more careful this year, and then stretch him out next year to start, and then you know from there it'd be however many you know years take for him to get ready to get the majors. Maybe you take a full season out in the minors or so, or maybe he even is. Good enough for the starter, he could be up late next season at the starter. We'll see. I mean, kind of on the fast track, like Detmers, uh, he throws a lot harder than Detmers. He's more of a he's touch high as 101, but more of a power right hander. Uh, it was a little surprising, you know, with 
Tumar Rocker still on the board uh, to do what they did. But I think that with Bachman's velocity spiking the way that it did, uh, they like that. And then Rocker's, you know, dropped to like 90 miles per hour. So they kind of wanted to, they're a little bit, I think, scared off by that. And also Rocker was still going to get a bigger uh, signing bonus. I think more based on his name than anything too. Like everyone knows who Rocker is. He's marketable, especially with the Mets now signing him. So or drafting him. So you can use that money too. And like you said, you talked about the prep arm. I've heard really good things about him. Uh, and they could probably use money to make sure that they sign him with Virginia Tech commit uh, to go over slot to sign him and maybe save a little bit of money on Bachman and then spread that around because it sounds like, you know, of the 20 pitchers they drafted, they're going to be able to sign them all, which would be, you know, a big, big thing for, big thing for the system. And we talked before, right, about what's Perry's philosophy, you know, going into this draft. And at the time, we just didn't know. Now that we see that was all pitching and all mostly college pitching, was that what he was planning to do the whole time? Or was it just one of those things where the draft played out and it just kind of fell into his lap the way it did and that's the route they went? They claim that it wasn't planned that way. And uh, I, I think at a certain point, maybe it wasn't, um, especially early on in the draft. But I think by day two uh, and three, they were pretty – or sorry, by day three last day, I think they were pretty aware they are going to go for all pitching from there. Um, I think early on, maybe they did weigh some guys here and there between a pitcher and a, a position player. But it, it is pretty clear that pitching was a priority. And also, I mean, so much even Perry, too. If you go back to the last two drafts, um, and Swanson, you know, is still there. It's still the same draft, you know, the same – uh, director of scouting. So he had gone, I think, of uh, the first 20 rounds in, in 18 and 19 before the shortened draft last year, he'd gone like 16 to 20 in pitchers in the first 20 rounds. Um, so he'd been going heavy on pitching anyway. Um, but also with Perry, I think the last 14 drafts that Perry's been a part of, uh, they've gone a pitcher in the first, with their first pick too. So like Perry also has been a part of front offices that have, have been pretty heavy on pitchers. So I, I, it wasn't a surprise in that sense. And also we just like, we all know like this organization desperate for pitching like that's so why not just go all in? I mean, right. And at this point, you're going to hit on a couple of them, hopefully, um, and hope that you have enough position, you know, position players depth in your system. But clearly you don't have enough pitching depth. And I think this will really help. It. And that's a good point. Like you're hoping that some of these guys out of the 20 hit, you know, obviously, I think some fans don't realize that, like, just because you drafted 20 pitchers, not all 20 of them are going to make it to the majors. Some of them might not even make it to double A. Red, in your past, what's a good draft? Like if you if you draft a guy, like 20 guys, how many need to make an appearance in the majors to be like considered a good draft? That's a good question. Maybe like even as low as like five if they're impact players. You know what I mean? I mean, the Angels have one of the best drafts of all time because obviously Trout was a part of it because they got, you know, Trout and that was when they had, you know, Skaggs and they got Corbin. Uh, Gritchick. Obviously Gritch, Gritchick as a number one or head of Trout. So um so yeah that's considered like an epic draft off those guys ended up being like more than just like guys they ended up becoming like a lot of art out of it um but even that's just a few guys you know so it doesn't take too many um i think obviously a good draft i think part of it too just if you can honor you know kind of like superstar type players that would be if bachman turns out to be a you know a stud like you know rotation guy then obviously that kind of changes things and then if there are some other guys become decent you know relievers or, or starters but yeah, I mean, like I said, you don't have to hit on that minimum uh, for it to be a success. But you said you don't want a bunch of guys, though, that are just, you know, got a cup of coffee, though. You know what I mean? If 10 of those guys make it and they're all just kind of okay, that's fine. But you'd rather have, like, one to three of those guys be, like, you know, a stud. So, like I said, trade deadline's coming up. A lot's going to depend on what the Angels do in this next week um, leading up to the deadline. It, you know, is their number one target, if they are buyers, going to be bullpen help? Or they, do you think they're also looking for rotation help? 
I think a mix of both. Um, I, I think they'd be fine getting a, you know, another starter there to join that staff. Like I said, they're already kind of short one. And uh, I don't know how much they want to, you know, trust going back to, they're not going to probably go back to Bundy or Quintana or so if they want to bring up the young guys yet. Like I so said, we talked about Detmers and Rodriguez. So I wouldn't rule that out. Or same thing with bullpen health. Um, and, you know, Perry did say they'd be okay to, you know, going for a rental. So if there's a guy they think they can help them and, they're just trading a low-level level prospect that they don't feel like is going to be much of an impact in the future anyway. So you do that with a guy that's a reliever or a starter that is just getting paid a decent amount of money and the other teams is looking to kind of shed salary. And usually you can kind of trade, you know, kind of a lottery ticket type player for that kind of player. So we'll see what's out there and, and what they want to do. But there will be some pitching out there, I'm sure, because there are some teams that are definitely out of it that have some pitching. Go ahead, Mike. I know you have a September call-up question. Yeah, and before we get to that, too, I had a quick question. In terms of the guys that Perry would be willing to trade, say the Angels do become buyers by some miracle um, at the end of the month, um, oftentimes when, the, when a new GM comes into a system, he's not usually familiar with the players that because he didn't draft them you know, to begin with, and he's kind of more likely to kind of part with a guy that he didn't draft. Do you get that sense from Perry, or do you get the sense that he actually likes kind of the guys that we have in the system so far right now? Yeah, it's another really good question. I don't know. And, you know, it's hard to tell so far. It's still so new. I think that we'll get a better feel after this first deadline to kind of see how he views these prospects. Mm -hmm. um, because I know I know he trusts the guys that have already been there and they have you know, some guys obviously that have been around now in their organization. Uh, but yeah, they did make a lot of new hires too and brought guys in that are kind of in the process of evaluating what they have. Um, and so, yeah, I think we'll kind of find out more about that. I, I it's going to be yeah, hesitant to say exactly and predict exactly what Perry's going to do because it's still kind of too early on in his tenure. Right. Um, but you're absolutely right, though. New GMs are a lot more likely to move, you know, prospects that they didn't actually – they're not attached to. Um, and we'll kind of see, too, what, what kind of directives he has, you know, from ownership in terms of what they want him to do, too, which is obviously, you know, obviously a thing as well. So um, and if they want him to try to go all in or sell or what's going to happen here, that could also be a part of it. And then are there any September call-ups that you see kind of outside of Adele? Obviously, Marsh would have been a guy that I would have thought might have had a chance for a September call-up. He's already up. But are there any other guys that you can kind of foresee getting called up in September? Maybe Detmers, if he doesn't come up, you know, with, you know, whenever uh, Rodriguez does. Um, I think that's probably still the most likely time is for Detmers to come up and see what they, what they have with him in September. Um, otherwise, a lot of their, you know, top prospect guys you'd want to see aren't quite ready yet. Um, so I, it's hard to really say there's going to be too much excitement for September cops this year. I, I just think right now, I think it's, it's Detmers. And like I said, Adele would certainly be a, a candidate to do that if he wasn't up by then already. Um, yeah. But I think the one to watch for sure is Detmers. So a lot of people want to ask, and I'm pretty sure I've asked you this question before too, but it keeps on getting brought up, at least in our social media feeds and stuff like that, is that um, not only Taylor Ward, but uh, 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 Matt Dice catching he's catching a ton more now it seems like at salt lake is that something they're still just you know a, a weapon to have in the bag or is that something serious that we could see like dice come up at some point and catch i think it's more versatility based than anything i mean but you're right the Thice is catching more than i think we thought he would uh maybe they are trying to get him back into catching a little bit more um wards more i think just kind of an emergency type thing um and we saw it actually come into play you know that game where shohei batted for himself and then came out and they had to do all the pinch hitters. And then, you know, Suzuki got hurt and they had to, you know, put Ward back there. So it was a good thing to have someone back there like that. But, um, but I think with, yeah, I think with Thais, it's probably a little bit more uh, chance he actually could maybe catch a little bit just to kind of, you know, he was also drafted as a catcher and so was Ward. 
Um, so yeah, it's, I'm curious to see obviously how that plays out for him. Um, but it, it does make sense. Joe's all about guys nowadays, especially improving their versatility. Um, we see that said even with Ward playing a lot more outfield this year and, you know, he's gone from catcher to third base to outfield and all that. So, um, and we've seen, like I said, a lot of the infielders we've seen, Renhipo, and a lot of these guys play in the outfield now too. Uh, Wong, I mean, so yeah, so it just seems like Joe really wants these guys to learn how to play over the field. So as we stand right now, Angels are five and a half out of the final wild card spot. What What is this about this team that's keeping them around? Is it strictly just the offense? I'm guessing, but even in two, the offense hasn't been, you know, fully healthy. And it seems like in a really long time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the offense when, you know, when, when Otani and Walsh are clicking, that's really been a, a big key for them. And now that Fletcher's gotten hot too, they've been playing a lot better since that. And then the rotation, you know, like I said, Sandoval has really been a big key to that. And same with Cobb. Those guys have really been a lot more consistent because you've still seen inconsistencies from, you know, Heaney uh, and Canning before the injury. Or sorry, well, even before he was option, sorry. And then, Otani has been, you know, a huge part of that for him to be able to do what he does both on offense and, you know, as a pitcher, uh, you know, that, that's been such a big part of this team. So without him, uh, you know, who knows where they'd be. So yeah, a lot of it is just on Otani's bat and then, his, you know, helping stabilize that rotation that said it's been a little bit better since Sandoval joined it um, and they moved on from, you know, Bundy and, and you know, Quintana. Um, so it's been, it's been impressive in some ways they've been able to do that, but they've also still had some tough losses over that stretch. The bullpen just still isn't very good in general, um, and the rotation still lacks depth. So offense can get going, even though they've had Rendon be down all year, and, and we've had, they've had Trout out for you know a couple months now. So impressive they're there, but like I said, it's still going to be a, a big you know climb. They're mountain to climb to kind of get back into the real, real contention. Especially when the next week is on the road, and the Angels are right now 19 and 24 away from Angel Stadium. Um, like you mentioned, two against uh, Oakland, that's always hard. And then they have four against Minnesota, but at Minnesota. So again, on the road, haven't, hasn't been necessarily the Angels' friends uh, this season. Um, so kind of still kind of moving forward to the second half of the season. Um, obviously, if the Angels don't make a serious run and don't make the playoffs, a lot of questions are going to come down on uh, Joe and kind of his – you know, is he kind of past his prime kind of kind of talk? What's the feeling you get from Joe and his, uh, you know, is he still happy to be there? Is it kind of wearing on him since the beginning of the season to, to now at all? No, I mean, Joe loves it. Joe couldn't be any happier, even though it's funny for them to be right around 500. All he ever talks about is how much he loves the fight and the energy and the dugout. And you can tell even just chatting with him before the game where it's not like, you know, on the record in the sense, you can tell he's genuinely happy to be here. He obviously he grew up in this organization. He, loves living back in Long Beach um, and really, you know, said it's not, it's not some sort of team where uh, like the Yankees where they're right around 500 and it's a disaster. Uh, Joe <laughs> seems genuinely happy to be around. I mean, obviously he wants to be much better than that, uh, but he likes kind of the energy of this team. Um, and, and truthfully, and I think Artie really respects Joe. So, I mean, to, to think Joe, even if they finish, you know, with a tough record here, I don't think there's any Joe would be in any sort of jeopardy uh, just because I think Artie just likes Joe so much. Now it's kind of his guy. Um, and I don't think it, it'd be hard to blame, even if they do have another, you know, it'd be hard to blame Joe in a sense to me, at least, because I feel like even if his bullpen's moves don't work out, it's mostly just because they don't have very good relievers. You know what I mean? It's kind of like shuffle in the deck there. Um, it, no matter, you know what I mean? If he was given better players, I think that, and even with versatility too, right? If he had a bunch of Ben Zobras, the guys that were actually <laughs> like really good like, at doing that kind of thing when he was with the Cubs or the Rays and they actually had like the players that could do that, then it makes him a really good manager. But, you know, no, some of the players, but if they can't do that, 
and he's putting them in situations. And I guess as a manager, you have to put players in a situation to succeed. Um, but he's put some trust into some guys in some key spots, and it just hasn't worked out. So uh, to me, it's done a little bit more on the players, and I think that that obviously it's going to be up to Perry to give Joe better players really truthfully next year. Mike, you got anything? No, not really. I mean, I guess my main question would be um, kind of what, I mean, what would you see the outfield projecting as um, next season? You know, if Marsh does hang around, um, cause there's got, there's a lot of guys now, you know, we, we got Ward, we got Eaton, we got Ligaris, we got um, Upton, Trout when he comes back, Adele is down on the minors still. What in, in terms of like opening day 2022, what would your starting outfield look like? I still think that, you know, with Upton under contract, depending on how he fi- finishes this year, he's still going to be in left field. And, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Trout's going to be in center. And then in right field, I think it's going to be competition in spring between Marsh and Adele. And whoever kind of wins that uh, will be the primary right fielder. And maybe they'll kind of use both guys there and uh, platoon them a little bit more. But I think obviously they will want both those guys to get as much playing time as possible. Um, so it's a good yeah. question. I think by then, I think by next year, they'll probably move on from like Ligaris and Eaton and some of those guys. But you're right, Ward's still going to be in that mix too. And maybe whoever, you know, maybe they'll want Ward to be the fourth outfielder. And then whoever doesn't win that, you know, competition, whether it's Adele or Marsh, they get everyday playing time at AAA. And um, and then from there, they kind of can assess what they want to do. If they want to trade, you know, Marsh or Adele for, for pitching help, obviously they can do that. It would be a, a big trade. Um, or I said if they want to move on from Upton next year at some point too, as he's closer to the end of his contract as possible. Um, he's, you know, shown enough this year that he still actually has something left in that bat. He really was playing really well especially as a leadoff hitter. Um, so it, at least there's some depth there. And then, you know, a lot of guys even below that, you know, minor leagues too. So uh, it, to me, I think it could lead, like I said, talked about earlier with Perry, it could lead to Perry getting creative here and maybe trading for some of that depth in the outfield to, to try to really improve this pitching staff. Yeah. So obviously the pitching staff is always going to be the main issue and kind of the same question, but with the starting rotation, now it seems like they have a lot of guys that can compete for that spot next year. Like you see some of them already with Sandoval, Suarez, you know, obviously Canning before he got sent down and injured. Otani's obviously going to be in the mix. Is there any one of these guys that are on these one-year deals, Cobb, Bundy, Quintana, Heaney? Do you see, can you see any of them being, being brought back for next year? Uh, I think Cobb. I mean, I think Cobb certainly, you know, it would make sense to try to bring him back because he's been so good. and he, You know, he's got a good relationship with, with Madden and even Cobb's, you know, talking to him yesterday about, how much he likes pitching at Angel Stadium. His ERA this year is like really low at, at home. Some guys just kind of like pitching at you know at certain stadiums. I think he likes that mound. Same thing with Shohei. Shohei really pitches a lot better at Angel Stadium too. Um, Heaney has obviously been around for a long time with the organization, but at this point, unless he really turns it around this year, they they might move on. And I, I point we said Quintana and, and Bundy. Same thing. Probably you know much more likely they're probably going to move on somewhere. And it's you know and Bundy really. You know, if he had a big season again this year, I mean, he definitely cost himself a lot of money. I mean, last yeah. year was uh, pretty impressive. He really was, you know, finishing the top 10 inside. Young was, you know, really was pitching like an ace. And this year has been the complete opposite. And so he's got to prove uh, that he can do that. But the problem is he's not going to probably be able to do that this year. I mean, the odds of him turning it around are still pretty slim. So probably got to reestablish himself on the market and probably play for a non-competitive team next year and see how it goes. So to me, it's, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of guys to replace. Um, you know, obviously you're going to start with Otani num- number one next year as your number one ace. And then from there, I'm sure, you know, Sandoval's in that mix and 
potentially if you bring back Cobb and, you know, maybe Suarez and some other younger guys, or Detmers or, you know, Rodriguez. But from there, they got to figure out some veteran guys to, to add to that mix, and it's going to be on Perry to do that. And same with the bullpen. It's going to be, you know, in shortstop and, you know, what they want to do at catcher. Obviously, Stassi's done a good job of being the, the regular, but there's some holes here and that Perry's going to have a, you know, a pretty big job to do this offseason. And talking about the pitching, too, I think this is the first time we've had you on since uh, Mickey Calloway's um, release, I guess, from the Angels because of all the stuff that happened with him. Has there been any talk about having Matt Weiss, the pitching coach now, come back? Or have they talked about that at all? Because it seems kind of, I don't know, counterintuitive to have, you know, four pitching coaches in four years for a team that struggles with pitching. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think it's quite there yet. I mean, because it is an interesting thing that happened with, you know, with Wise, just the fact that with when Callaway, the scandal hit, you know, they had to just promote within, from within. You know, they, didn't, they couldn't go. It was hard for them to go out and go hire a new guy um, with all that was going on. So not to discredit Wise, you know, it's, it's hard to know how much of an impact bad or good he's had this year or how much of a difference, you know, you know Callaway made last year compared to him or how much better Callaway is. It's always hard to judge that. Um, maybe the pitchers have a better idea of, of that, but I haven't heard anything specific yet about um, about why he's going forward. But um, there's obviously a chance, especially if, if Perry wants to bring in his guy or Joe has a different guy in mind to be, you know, more of a veteran because this is, you know, why is his first year doing it if they want to bring in a veteran pitching coach? I don't think it would be a huge shock, but we'll kind of see what they think of why is here uh, going forward. So, again, as we sit here on July 18th, Angels are 500 exactly. So, Rhett, let me ask you going forward for the season, if you had to put a percentage on it, what's the percentage that Angels sneak into that second wild card spot? Maybe 10 to 20% or so. Um, it still would be pretty tough, you know, because so the thing is, too, there's still other teams that have to kind of climb over, too. So they'd have to play really well, and then multiple teams that have to play, you know, not very well or even yeah. just average. Which, so it's kind of – that's always a hard thing. That's why percentage-wise – you always see the number, oh, you know, five and a half or whatever, four and a half. But when there's like three teams in between that other team, like other teams can get hot too. You know, it mathematically it just makes it that much more difficult. So I uh, wouldn't rule it out. You know, certainly because something could happen. And like I said, getting Trout back is going to be huge. And, and you know, even Upton and Rendon. So the offense is going to have to carry them and, and the pitching is going to have to get better and, and, you know, give them a chance to, to win. So you can't rule it out, especially with that offense when, it, you know, Trout comes back and he's really playing like an MVP again. But it, it's just hard right now with so many teams kind of right above them. Yeah, and just for the record, the Yankees, the Indians, the Mariners, and Toronto are all ahead of the Angels uh, looking for that last wild card spot that Oakland currently holds. Um, what's been going on with – I don't know if it's been something that's been talked about, but what's been going on with the Angels and just struggling against the AL uh, West opponents? It seems like whenever they get out of the division, they do okay, but then they struggle against Seattle. They struggle against Oakland. They struggle against Houston. Texas is kind of uh, – they're taking advantage of that, but it just seems like the ones that they needed to get a hold of, like Seattle, they're just not able to do it. Well, those teams, truthfully, in the games they played against, and they just pitch better, right? I mean, the, the – Ace have a better rotation in general, and Bassett's pitched really well against them in the past. And, uh, you know, and the Mariners just right now, uh, you know, their bullpen is, is better than the Angels, like, by far. So that was, that's been an issue, too. It's just, you know, late in these games, uh, the Mariners just have a kind of more of a lockdown bullpen. And we've seen, you know, the Gilbert kid did on Sunday was really good. And mm-hmm. we've seen how, you know, good Flexen's been. And Kikuchi was an all-star. The Angels do hit Kikuchi pretty well. And then the Astros, you know, the Astros, they've had the Angels number here for a while here. And, you know, their offense is really good too, which, you know, and the, and the Angels obviously have a tough time at Minute Maid Park. So 
Um, and the Rangers kind of more, like you said, kind of played them decently. But I just think those teams just happen to pitch better than the Angels. And um, it just kind of goes that way. And that's why they have to really improve that going forward to beat these teams in their division. Mike, what about you, Mike? What do you think percentage-wise the Angels are going to be to make the playoffs this year? Yeah, I'm kind of with Red in that 10 to 20%, probably closer to 10% at this point. Um, it's tough when you're you know, now two or three games back behind the Mariners now in that division. Um, the Mariners look like the better team right now just because based off their pitching staff. Um, you know, their offense has been pretty bad all, all, all season, but um, they've really been able to turn this season into something just based off that pitching staff and, and that bullpen, as Red kind of alluded to. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough climb. Um, you know, we, you and I, Daniel, go back and forth occasionally saying that the Angels are the best of the worst teams <laughs> in the AL. That's kind of, you know, that kind of still holds up, you know, and, we, you know, we'll probably go into Minnesota and take three or four or something like that. And we'll probably, you know, do the same to Colorado. But um, I don't know. It, it would be great if we could take these next two games against the A's. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be tough. We have Shohei going tomorrow, so that should help. But, um, yeah, it's we're not. We're not in the class of the A's. We're not even in the class of the Mariners. And until that changes, um, yeah, it's 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 not looking good. Yeah, hard to imagine. <laughs> yeah, and, and Mike, you talked about it too. Shohei going tomorrow. Has there been any? I, I know you you were talking a little bit red earlier about the the whole home run derby all star that kind of energy spent. But he's also spent a ton of energy before that. Just like you said, doing both hitting and hitting and pitching. Has there been any talk about maybe slowing him down a little bit in the second half so he doesn't completely get gassed out? Or is it, we need to win, we need to win now, and kind of let's not worry about that? No, there's definitely been talk about that. And, it's not, and right now, from what I hear, he's going to probably be in the lineup tomorrow uh, when he starts against the A's. Uh, but I think going forward, I think once we get deeper into August and September, I think they're going to probably not have him hit in the lineup in the days he pitches just to kind of give him a rest on those days. And then otherwise, same thing, if he if he feels like he needs it, it's going to be up to him. But the day before or day after, depending on how he's feeling, he might get days of rest too here and there. Um, but it's going to be up to him. And I think, too, some of it will be just where they are in the standings. If they're still like in it to the last week, I think they're more likely to really kind of ride Shoei. Um, but I think if they're kind of out of it, they kind of might be a little bit more lenient to kind of – or a little bit more, you know, let him kind of get some days off here and there to kind of keep him fresh and make sure he doesn't, you know – Injure himself is really the real key, right? I mean, when you get tired, that's when you get yeah. hurt. When you get fatigued, yeah. that's when you get hurt. So that's more than anything. It's just it's just keeping him healthy. Um, and so I, I do think I do think that we'll probably see him probably that less when he pitches, and then we'll kind of see other days he can stop. Yeah, that's my biggest worry is that you get fatigued and now your mechanics might be off just a tad. And then if that can kind of build into something worse, that's obviously something that you try to avoid. And with Otani having the season he is, obviously, I read, I'm guessing you being a writer, uh, he's your, your he's your MVP right now if you had a vote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know what I'm voting on yet this year, so I guess I can talk about it a little bit. If you know you're not supposed to talk about it, but I don't oh. know yet. So, <laughs> yeah, to me, I think he's the favorite. I think he's the front runner. I mean, doing stuff we haven't seen in 100 years. I mean, it is amazing how good Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is. Um, could even win the Triple Crown and not be the MVP. So um, we've seen that before where, uh, you know, Trout got kind of, that one year when Miguel Cabrera won it when he had the triple crown. triple crown, but this year I think it could be different. I think with Otani doing both, uh, you know, like I said, we talked about before though, just the health though. He's got to stay healthy the rest of the year and all year because no one wins the, you know, the MVP award in, in July, but uh, the way he's been playing and the way that he's just, you know, the narrative too, just the whole two way thing. It's going to be really hard for Vladimir Jr. To, to beat him at the MVP if, if they keep this up the same pace. 
Angels could have possibly the first and second best player in baseball and still barely miss out on the playoffs. And that's kind of, <laughs> as Angel fans can be really frustrating, but hopefully some of these younger arms come around and have a bright future. So that's kind of why I want to, my last question is, Rhett, we talked about the 20 for 20, the, the pitchers, not the documentary series, but <laughs> you know, how do you see this? And honestly, those guys are, are tons of questions. You just don't know what you have when you draft, but looking forward to this franchise and seeing some of the young guys, Detmers, Rodriguez, you know, uh, we mentioned Suarez. How do you look at this franchise going forward? Is it in a good position or is it still some work that needs to be done? I mean, definitely work that needs to be done. It's in a decent position. I mean, the, the farm system did get better under Epler, but not like it didn't become like a lead or anything. It just kind of got went from being the worst in baseball pretty much <laughs> to kind of like, you know, respectable at least. Uh, but a lot of that though was based on like, they really went after the toolsy kind of middle infielder types and middle, you know, and even guys that go to the outfield. So they have a lot of those guys in their system, which is a good thing. Like I said, that could maybe be used as trade bait for pitching, but like we, there's not that many other big names that jump out at you, uh, you know, in terms of big time prospects for pitching for them. Uh, some younger guys, and I said, and we'll see how these guys from the last few drafts, um, and even obviously this one right now, all kind of pan out. That's going to be a big key for them. And then going forward, they got to kind of figure out what they want to do with the rotation. And said with with shortstop, with catcher, with the outfield depth, I think they're okay. Um, locked in at the corners with Walsh and Rendon. Um, and then the big key is going to be obviously, you know, Tony's going to be a free agent in two years, and you know, at what point do you try to? extend him and now. when would he be? yeah of now. course but I mean, now it's like <laughs> he's obviously part of that too so i think he's going to want to wait on that a little bit and you know he's still got two more years left so so we'll kind of see but um that's going to be the big key right i mean they did it with trout that was pretty amazing they have locked up for that long and now it's going to all be out the next two years to prove to show hey that you know this is a place to stay because truthfully i think by then i think the dh is going to be in in both leagues so he's going to have, you know, if he wants to go to free agency, he's going to have a full 30 teams that are going to be after him. Obviously, a deal will afford him, but he'll at least, you know, have the NL market in play now, which he didn't really have really in play, it seemed like, a couple of years ago. And then about the Otani thing, too, has there been any rumors? Has there been any, like, initial talks between the team and him about getting an extension done earlier than, you know, not letting it wait, get all the way to the year of his free agent, like trying to really lock him down now? Nothing I've, that I'm aware of. No, I've not heard anything regarding uh, an extension with him. I mean, they did, you know, sign him to that two-year deal before the season that was just, you know, within his arbitration. Right. Which ended up being a great deal. They bought him yeah. out for those two years for two years, $10 million, whatever it was. And he's probably worth like, you know, $50 million just this year alone. So <laughs> ended up getting a good return on an investment for that one. Uh, and, and also Shoei got kind of didn't have to worry about the arbitration process, which was good. So uh, we'll see what happens in that last year of arbitration. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe... They'll wait it out and see how it goes this year and then after next year. And then when he goes into that last year before arbitration, maybe they don't go to arbitration. They try to get an extension done then. Obviously, the way they kind of did with not that Trout was going to extension or arbitration, but at least with Trout, they they extended him before that last year of his, of his contract. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm hoping for is that get those two years and then that last year leading into the arbitration, hopefully – Give him that nice big check because by then too, obviously Pujols will be off the books and obviously Upton will be off the books regardless of what they do with him with the roster. So they'll have some money to, to play around with and hopefully that will go towards Otani and you can lock up the types like Otani and Trout for a long time, which would be for Angel fans at least a lot of fun uh, and another reason to go out to the ballpark, especially if the team isn't doing uh, very well. Um, Mike, do you have any questions? Any last last questions? 
No, just just to go off Otani there for a second, you know, I think a lot of that is going to be dictated upon how long he's able to continue to pitch and, and hit. You know, ho- hopefully we pray that he's able to do it, you know, for the next couple of seasons and, and he's able to kind of cash in in that way. But if for some reason he, you know, only becomes a pitcher, only becomes a hitter, I think that will definitely affect his value in terms of how much the Angels or any other team is going to be able to give him. Um, yeah. So, exactly. Health health is going to be the big thing, right? If he if he can stay healthy and be a two-way player, then he's going to get paid like crazy. But if he gets hurt and can only be a position player or whatever, but yeah, health is going to be the big key for him big time. And it's still, like I said, it's still two more years after this. So a lot can happen, you know, by then. Mm-hmm. What do you think is best for him as far as he, if he has to choose one or the other, and obviously the idea of him doing that, we don't want to think about, but if he has to choose one or the other. Obviously, we've seen what he's doing offensively. I mean, he hit number 34. Was it 34 today? 34 yes, yes. runs today. You know, offensively, he's just a monster out there. But, you know, pitching-wise, you 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 hear about guys like John Smoltz and and legends of pitching say, hey, if this guy would really concentrate on pitching 100%, he could be, you know, a top three pitcher in the league. You know, what one would – benefit him and probably benefit the angels more if he had to choose one or the other. Uh, I just don't think there's any chance that he just would choose pitching. There's, there's just no way. Um, I think he's just such a good hitter and a good position player. Um, he would such a, he just, there's no way it would just be pitching because he'd want to be in the lineup every time anyway. And every team would want that guy in the lineup because there's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's nothing that could physically hold him back from being a good hitter. Whereas the whole point is with pitching is that he could get hurt, right? He could hurt his shoulder. He could hurt his elbow. And it's from there, it just wouldn't be worth it anymore. Um, so that's, I think the only way that he stops doing both would just be because he got hurt with his arm and realized that, you know, I'm just, I want to play every day as a position player, play right field or whatever, first base, wherever they, you know, end up wanting to put him. Um, I think that's the most likely route they go. I don't think there's really any situation where he only pitches. I think he's either going to be only a position player at some point, um, or obviously he's going to hopefully be able to do both, which would be awesome for baseball and awesome for him and potentially the angels if he sticks around. So, like I said, mentioned 34 home runs as of today. Last question, Rhett, does he get 60? Ooh, man, that would be fun. I mean, I, I so hard 60, but I mean, he's so consistent. I mean, it wouldn't shock me with, with the way having Trout and Doan behind him, but I still think probably mid fifties, which is still a lot. Um, Cause 60, man, that's just like, we don't ever see that. I mean, I guess <laughs> well, Chris Davis, did he get there? Or what did Chris Davis get to that one year? Yeah. I think uh, he did get, I think he got like 59 or 60. I don't, yeah. I think he was like, like right, right there. around there. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just a lot. And to do it all year. And, and like I said, he's probably going to get fewer at bats down the stretch. Maybe even like I said, to kind of keep him fresh as a pitcher. Um, so I, I still think probably even if he gets to 50, that's still a pretty amazing year. Yeah. Hit 50 home runs as a, as a two-way player. I was going to cut there, but yeah. <laughs> we can edit it i think um yeah. mike what about you does he get to 60 no i, th- I think he gets like 50 51 i, I kind of think what red saying is right in that he, he'll probably get fewer at bats down the stretch especially if they're kind of out of it at that point um but yeah i could definitely see i could definitely see 50 like he hits maybe 16 more um but yeah that'd be something if he hits 60 um but yeah probably 50 yeah i mean still anything above that 50 mark would be a crazy year especially if you, when you can also tag at the end of it oh yeah his era is like around 3.5 or something like that so um that would obviously be a huge storyline of the year something honestly fun to watch even if the angels are out of it by this time you know in a couple weeks uh obviously the otani home run chase if you will 
will be a lot of fun. And maybe he sets the Angels all-time season seasons single if i can say it single season record uh as a pitcher would be you know absolutely i was nuts i was actually gonna say i don't even know what the single season home run record is for the angels it'd be great I to believe it's troy gloss with 47 is that correct oh, that's uh, okay. wow i thought yeah that's because trout that one year was gonna break it and then Trout got to 45 and got hurt and had the foot surgery in, in 2019 so yeah i believe it's troy gloss with 47 yeah that's that's doable that's yeah that's very that is yeah, it's crazy. Good. I think it's only 13 more. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, you yeah. Know that. He does and that we, like in two weeks. Like, come on. Right. Especially when he starts hitting two per game out, like he did yeah. for that one stretch where, yeah, that's today was a good that's something that's to be crazy to watch. He got in golf that one today, which was pretty amazing, and that was a good sign. Yeah, got that. a really good pitcher too. That Sealog does really good. Yeah, yeah, I mean their pitchers are God, they're sneaky all, good. Yeah, sneaky, great minimum. Sneaky they, legit. They of, yeah, I mean, give credit to former Angels GM there that actually built a bullpen after he left the team with DePoto. But DePoto, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give him credit. He built up a bullpen. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So, Rhett, I want to thank you again for jumping on and talking a little bit about the first half and second half and hopefully some good things we can look forward to in the in the second half of the season. Rhett, thank you very much. Mike, I'll thank you again, too, for jumping on. And uh, I guess your maiden voyage as, a you know, kind of a co-host with, uh, with a guest on, too, was a, a lot of fun as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Rep. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, anytime. So that's been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. 
Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.